Hello, I'm Michael Brodeur, and welcome to Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are passionate about helping you become the world-changing leader that God created you to be. Join the conversation. Greetings, everyone. It is so good to have you back on the Leaders Alliance podcast. And I'm going solo today. Often I have my wife involved, Diane. She's an amazing woman. We've been married 41 years and we have seven kids and seven grandchildren, but she's right now preparing for a trip to see grandchildren. And so, um, but I'm super excited to have you guys on board. And uh, we're actually going to be presenting an amazing uh, guest today. He's one of our uh, Catalyst Group leaders, and I'm going to talk about Linton Ward in just a few minutes. But before we get started, it's, if this is your first time on one of our podcasts, let me explain a little bit about Leaders Alliance, what we're up to, and so forth. So I was a pastor in San Francisco for 33 years. I worked with leaders of all branches, church leaders. I worked with marketplace leaders. I worked with thought leaders. I worked with evangelists. I worked with prophetic leaders. I love all leaders. And I believe the key to the body of Christ coming into the fullness of who God's called us to be is leadership. I believe that leadership is the key right now. And I believe that every single follower of Jesus is called to be a leader whether you're just leading in your home or leading in, in the marketplace or leading in education or leading in a church setting, every one of us is called to lead, if only called to lead ourselves. And so this is what Leaders Alliance is all about. Leaders Alliance is a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who have come together to actually see the body of Christ be all that we can be and influence the world and to be the salt and the light, to be the priests and the kings that God has told us to be in this world. And so we're super excited about you joining us. Um, and, and in the process of that, we have an amazing new opportunity. We are releasing an e-course today that will actually help Help you to become the leader that God's called you to be. It's called Kingdom Leadership Foundations, and it's going to actually revolutionize your perception of God, your perception of yourself and your identity in Christ, and it's also going to help you to begin to build some of the skills that will help you to be the leader that God's called you to be. These skills will help you in leading your children in the home. It'll help you leading in your profession. It'll help you leading in other kinds of ministry environments. The skills that we're going to teach you through this course and through the second course that we're going to be releasing will help you to become the leader that God has called you to be so you can fulfill the destiny that God has given you. So I really want to encourage you to check it out. And it's it's just, it's only $99. It's amazing uh, entree into how to be a kingdom leader. So join us for that. But now let's shift gears. I want to introduce our guest, uh, Linton Ward. Could you come on? And uh, Linton is a, a friend of mine. We have been growing in our friendship. We probably first met a, a couple of years ago, but more recently we've been partnered together in greater ways, meeting sometimes even face-to-face, -face, <laughs> which we haven't been able to do with many people during the COVID era. But uh, Linton has also recently consented to become one of our co-leaders of the Marketplace Catalyst Group. And Linton has an amazing history, 38 years as a, as a leader within uh, IBM, working in different branches of that amazing corporation. But he also has a rich spiritual history, having been involved uh, in different kinds of ministry over the decades, really, and working both sides of this equation. 
So he's kind of an, uh, a bit of an expert, a practitioner of leadership in both the marketplace and in church leadership. And so we're super excited to have you on board today. And why don't you begin by just sharing a little of your story with us? You know, how did you get to where you are? And I want to hear some of the professional side of your story. I want to hear some of the, the supernatural, uh, spiritual side of your story. But uh, hit us, you know, we, we want to hear from you. Sure. Thank you, Michael. It's uh, so great to be a part of Leaders Alliance and, and what you're doing. And I'll get into more of why in a bit. But uh, yeah, I grew up in a in a denominational church that uh, I just love church. Uh, I like all the activities of church. And uh, Billy Graham came to Richmond, Virginia back in the late 50s when I was young. And uh, our church, even though they weren't particularly uh, evangelistic, uh, they would have Sunday night meetings where we'd sing from uh, Billy's little songbook. And as a child, I just really loved uh Love those times. And uh, however, you know, during my teen years, I kind of did my own thing. Uh, uh, I, I did catch the tail end of the Jesus movement, even though I was on the East Coast. Uh, there it was more the charismatic movement, uh, maybe an outgrowth or a concurrent thing. And uh, when I graduated from college, my uh, I had a summer off before I started my Ph.D. program at NC State. And uh, so at home, my mom said, hey, there's this other church that's really teaching some great stuff. I'd love to go, but uh, I can't go because I'm teaching uh, at our church. So I went over there and the love of God just blew me away. And uh, I was just so relieved to find out that there's a real God, a real God of power. Uh, they were teaching incredibly. I've been to many studies since then. I can't remember all of those, but this one I remember. It was uh, teaching from the book of John on healing of the whole person. Wow. And just it was so impact me, impactful to me uh, during that time. When I started my PhD program, I linked up with a group uh, on the NC State campus called the Full Gospel Student Fellowship. And it was just uh, crazy times. We had great outreaches and uh, great uh, little retreats. And uh, we even had evangelists come in, Jed Smock. We'd, we linked up with him and sponsored him. We would do bands on the campus. Uh, and of course, as you know, there's three schools there in that area. We would do outreaches on all three schools, wow. uh, in, uh, the other schools as well as NC State. And it was just a very active, uh, impressionable time. And, you know, and, and God was good to me in, in school as well. I, I used to tell people that I did quantum mechanics by revelation. Wow. That, uh, God would show me how to study for tests and all of that. And I was doing uh, experimental nuclear physics and I had a, uh, a leak somewhere in my plumbing. And God showed me in a dream where to where to look for the leak. And so it was all uh, very uh, very intense. Uh, and that time I met my wife, Michelle. Uh, we, we moved to New York and we were able to be a part of uh, a fivefold ministry. Uh, Dale Rumble was, had founded a church there focused on the fivefold. And uh, it was a little different. They had a plurality of leadership, which was kind of one of the outstanding features. But importantly, it taught me 
more about small groups and how impactful they were, and I learned from them. Uh, and that really impacted my entire life, my ability to leverage small groups and meetings and small teams at IBM. Um, you know, I, I, while I had a love for physics at IBM, I didn't stay doing physics very long. It was more, uh, initially I was doing physics and then I got away from technology into systems and computer performance and systems design and that sort of thing over time. I was really fascinated by uh, how these technologies could begin to uh, really address business issues, solve problems of both technology and business for that matter uh, for clients in the, uh, in the academic or research space as well as in the business space. So over time, I leveraged uh, my physics degree, but it was more uh, overall leadership and engineering uh, uh, problems and uh, leading teams and stuff that I was doing. Um, by the end of my career at IBM, I was able to uh, have a lot of latitude to work myself towards uh, the type of thing that I enjoy, sort of invented my own job of bridging technology and business issues Wow. Uh, building on, I spent five years doing the systems technology outlook, which took client issues and and technology trends and and uh, bringing those together, synthesized an outlook of, of what should happen over the next five years, and and that's really kind of one of my early eras of really seeing the prophetic at work within uh, the workplace. Uh, you know, so I would prophesy in church, but at work I would see well, this and that is going to happen and so forth. So, you know, overall, it was, uh, uh, I began to see how these two came together, um, starting with my uh, work in the student fellowship and then within the, the church in New York. We moved to Austin in 92 and uh, with the small church there, I, I kept in leadership uh, roles running small groups, uh, became an elder. Um, and so over time, I began to see how my role in uh, the workplace was not just to support my so-called Christian habit. Uh, you know, I didn't have to wait until I retired to minister, uh, but I could serve the king right there. And so I began to see more about how I can leverage kingdom, whether it's mentoring, uh, in the workplace, we might call it fathering in the church or the prophetic or running small groups. Um, that experience in the church really helped. And so over time, I became more and more engaged with church leadership. Um, a small church, you know, has, has all kinds of struggles and I won't go into details, but through those struggles, I really learned who I was and uh, we, I, I developed a, a belief that God was going to move in this place. I, I currently live in Round Rock, Texas, and God's going to move here. Even if we all walked off the field, God is going to move. And such a faith about what God is doing. And I was able to help negotiate a transfer from uh, our former church to the current church about six years ago to establish a new work. Uh, leveraging the property, we had paid down our debt to about forty thousand, um, but it was just time for transition, and the current work is, you know, maybe 
five or 600 people or so overall uh, building a new facility. And so I'm still an elder. You know, I never felt like I needed to be the pastor, although, you know, through my career, people would say, what are you? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and I, would, I would enjoy saying, you know, I'm just a guy. God uses me. So Wow. Well, it so, sounds like it sounds like yeah. you've been able to bring the two together and really create like a symbiotic kind of relationship between your your spiritual life and your professional life. And uh, you've, you've mentioned a few aspects of how those two have worked together, but it sounds like you, even your professional life was able to inform some of the, the things that were going on in the church world. And certainly your spiritual life in Christ was able to actually, uh, you know, speak back into your professional success. Talk about it a little bit more. You said you you have some prophetic gifting. How has that manifested? You certainly, you know, I you strike me as somebody who's got some apostolic gifting as well. Talk about how those two things have melded back and forth. Yeah, I I do. You know, I, I did leverage uh, Destiny Finder uh, Journey Guide and have a builder and a revelatory gifting. Uh, however, I'm very um, you know, I found, I discovered in church that I'm a people person. Wow. Uh, working through my own issues, you know, I have uh, become real realization that that um, I really uh, enjoy developing people, uh, connecting with others. And so, yes, you know, with within the workplace, uh, there are a lot of folks who are sort of here and now people, engineers by and large are are very practical, you know, they can see, they can spot what's wrong with the plan. Um, you know, you might sense that's a little bit negative, but on the other hand, you know, that's how you get uh, products that actually work. Yes. <laughs> Is those people who can spot where the flaws are. Yeah. And software and hard, hardware engineering um, coming together, I found that uh, God had gifted me to see from a s systems perspective where you bring together a variety of components, hardware and software, uh, to to begin to understand how can they all work together uh, to apply to a, a specific type of uh, solution. Wow. Additionally, the my heart to bring people out, I, I enjoyed uh, working with younger engineers or others to help them uh, foster uh, their own careers and really got a lot of fulfillment out of that. Uh, one of the things that I would say is that the marketplace, you know, every year in IBM, in my annual review, I would write down who I am mentoring, who I'm bringing along. And there was a big emphasis on uh, developing others, and they would call it give back, uh, if you will, and other forms of give back as well. But wow. uh, even in the church, it's hard to, um, uh, you know, to see that full expression. I think in some ways the industry is ahead of the church in terms of developing people. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and, you know, I have a number of friends that are in the marketplace. In fact, one of our advisors, Mike Frank, was telling me that actually an increasing large amount of, of budget and time in big companies is going into development. In other words, that they can't, they, I mean, just 
you know, trying to develop somebody fresh out of college compared to somebody who's already been in the pipeline, already somebody who knows the the values of the culture and so forth, that that seems to be the place where a lot of companies are, are moving. Uh, you know, there's there's people that have brought a, a lot of parallel between what we call the fivefold ministry and, you know, different branches of of the professional world. You know, so the apostolic, let's say, would be sort of the uh, the the C-suite, you know, kind of uh, CEOs and VPs and so forth. That when you're dealing with the the prophetic, you're dealing with research and development, perhaps a little bit of quality control. You know, you go into the evangelist, which is sales, obviously, and then HR would be be around the prof- the pastoral. And then, of course, you know, the kind of the engineering side, which would be a little bit more towards the teacher gift. How do you, did you ever kind of notice that within your world? And you told me even before that, that you had a situation where you were able to kind of use your prophetic gifting to sort of see into the future a little bit in ways that really helped the company. Talk about those kind of things. Sure. Yeah, I had the, the good fortune to work on a project where we were creating a technology outlook for systems over a five-year span. And there's a lot of complex things going on at any given point in time. And in fact, early on, I thought, well, computers would be boring by this time, but there's been such breakthroughs in the way software is developed and the rate and pace of innovation has actually picked up. Yeah. And so this project was to understand what things to aid investment, uh, what things should we be working on that would help us be ready for uh, where the industry will be in in a certain point of time. And so that sort of influenced my work in the last 10 or 15 years of the the workplace to really leverage the prophetic gifting in terms of what would happen. Um, And it was very similar to the kind of gifting and the way it's expressed in the church, as well as, you know, the prophetic to individuals calling out the gold in them and understanding uh, their giftings. That's so good. No, I think those are that's an excellent thing of the issue of calling out the gold in others. You said also that you know your 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 uh, experience as a small group leader really helped you in in some of the dynamics that take place in in some of the teams at work. You know, I used to tell CEOs in my in my church that you're going to be a better CEO if you lead a small group for a year or two than you would ever be if you didn't. And, you know, it's worth the investment of your time because you're going to learn kingdom soft skills that are going to help you tremendously. Talk about that a little bit. And that's certainly true. Um, I never really thought about it. It was more, uh, if you will, automatic. Um, sure. But running small groups and focusing on bringing out others uh, rather than sort of broadcasting in the meeting um, really uh help me uh, bring out the talents of others. I really loved getting together a diverse set of skills. One of the things I learned is that innovation happens when you bring together uh, different backgrounds or different silos. And so bringing uh, technology folks together with people who understood the business climate, uh, what problems are clients trying to solve? Um, mm-hmm. And one example was I had a small team bringing uh, bringing together uh, early days of COVID, we identified five solutions that we could use to attack various aspects of, of COVID from, wow. from informatics to 
um, computational science, uh, going after genomics, et cetera. And the, uh, the, the ability to bring together a diverse set of skills, draw out of those people more than they would do on their own was just kind of exciting. That was all built on, um, looking back on it, it was all built on the experience I had in church and running small groups. Wow. That's so cool. You know, again, I, I just, part of our passion at Leaders Alliance is to try to bring together the integration because we believe that one of the strategies of heaven right now is to sort of, as much as possible, remove the line between the sacred and the secular. And, and obviously that's one of the things we're partnering on right now as you are helping to lead the, uh, the, the marketplace leaders group is that we want to actually help every member see that their professional life is not a vacation from their spiritual life, nor is it, as you said, a, a hob that the spiritual life's a hobby to the other, you know, uh, that in fact, really the two, the two are one. You know, you are a full-time believer. You're a full-time minister, regardless of where you make your money. And so even though only about 2 to 3% will ever make their money in uh, sort of the, the traditional church role of clergy, the fact is, is that all of us are full-time ministers. So talk about that. How did you maintain your identity as a full-time minister, even though the majority of your time was spent, at least your majority of your professional time, was spent serving a company that didn't necessarily have Christian values? Right. Well, you know, as I mentioned, you know, it was later, later in my career that I began to realize that that this is ministry, and I was blessed by, you know, many folks, Ed Silvoso and others, to help begin to understand that point of view. Um, yes. And when when I begin to, you know, think about how much time you spend at work, and and if you really carry the, if you really carry the kingdom with you, if you carry heaven with you, then it should show up there. And so I began Excellent. to realize that we can have. Uh, an impact. And, you know, early on in, in my career, I was like, well, church outreach is let's go bring music to the park or, you know, let's go hand out water bottles downtown or right. um, whatever. There's a variety of great things that, that folks can do. But the, the idea that I can bring kingdom principles into the marketplace. Um, and so while I got a little bit late start in terms of being thoughtful about it, I was benefiting from it for, for my entire career. Right. Um, no. And that's really what we want to do. I mean, we, that's our passion is to help every single believer. Now, one thing I, I do want to mention though, in the light of what you've shared so far is that um, some teachers on the idea of marketplace ministry, and, and again, I, I respect them all and love them all. Um, but some of the teachers on the subject end up saying, oh, well, you're, you're a CEO in a company or you're a, you know, a line manager in some factory or something. Go for it. You know? So they just kind of send them out without a lot of preparation to be yeah. marketplace ministers or they'll ordain them. You're a marketplace apostle and they'll send you out. Um, my theory is, is that we need to do a better job of training in the local church but then we need to also be careful not to make uh, leaders so busy in the local church that they don't have time to be effective in the marketplace. I think mm -hmm. this is the issue that I feel like 
I struggle with and that I struggle with with many of the teachers is that the value for the local church has kind of gone down. Now, what do you see the role as? Because, you know, you've heard me say this before. Okay. If there's seven mountains, <laughs> you know, the church is not one of the mountains. And right. that's, you know, for those of you who are not familiar, Seven Mountains is one of the teachings that's been out there sort of over the last 50 years or so, began with a, with a Lauren Cunningham and Bill Bright years ago, and then it's been adopted by a number of other great teachers who I respect a lot. But it's become like, oh, well, the church is one of the mountains, but so is education, and so is business, and so is government, and so forth. And I would say, no, that's not how I see it. And I don't believe that's biblical because in the scripture, we find this truth that the church is not just one of the structures of society. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. The, the church is the bride of Christ. And so if I was to give a different word picture, I would say that if, if we're talking about a tree, that there may be seven branches on the tree or 12 branches on the tree, but the church is not one of those branches. The church is the trunk of the tree. In other words, we take infant believers and we raise them up and we mature them from infancy to adulthood in, in Christ so that we can send them out to be the world changers that God's called them to be and to bear fruit in each of the branches. How do you see that? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I oddly enough, I, I had a little different vision, but a very similar thought. Um, I'm trying to think how far back that was, but it was... Uh, Probably over 20 years ago, I had a vision of the church as a, a fountain, a multicolored fountain with different gifts that would spray beyond the edge of the fountain. I like that. So the, so the water would go out and splash outside. Now, I have no idea how this fountain was going to recirculate, but uh, <laughs> with this idea that the, the benefit, the, the blessing of the church should touch outside the walls of the church. And, and of course, the diversity of gifts is so large. Right. And so, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think part of the situation, again, I love church, but I feel like a lot of people feel disconnected. Uh, I tell the story of um, uh, a teacher friend we had who was uh, teaching seventh grade English, and she had a document. I can't, I, if you can find it, I, I would love to see it, but um, she had a document that was 50 things that Jesus said. Now, this was translated into modern English, and she would use that to teach her course in courses in the public school. So it was all legitimate. They would write essays on it. She used it to govern the class. And the kids were so into it, they would call her out if she violated one of these principles. And but yet she felt disconnected from the church because she couldn't, she didn't have the energy to to do teach Sunday school or whatever. Yeah. So I think our issue is how do we connect those folks to the church in a meaningful way? We want to honor the serve team, but then how do we connect these folks that are serving outside? Right, and that's something I've thought about a lot because you know I think that if you think of it in twenty five percentiles, okay, there's some people that basically get a mindless job so that they can serve. Well, there's some that are actually the first 25% are going to be serving in the church regardless. Okay. The, the church is their life and their focus and their ministry and their profession and everything. And they're going to serve the church as their primary vision in life. Then you're going to have a middle 25% who get a, a job that doesn't demand much out of them so they can be available more. 
Now, they'll mm -hmm. still minister in the marketplace setting, but it's not going to be their primary. Their the church is still their primary. Then you have the next level over, the next 25 percentile, that would be people that actually can do both. They have a, a foot in one world and a foot in the other, and they learn to balance their time between their marketplace ministry and their church ministry. And then you have those that are on the other 25% that need to be fully released, like your friend here, who's doing such a great work in her seventh grade class, but she doesn't have time to actually focus on church at all at this point. The only caveat I would put on that is that I think it serves everyone, even that woman, for instance, to have gone through a season where she's serving in the church before she is sent out in a more, let's call it an apostolic way, to be fully dedicated to her marketplace position. And so this is kind of the way I've been thinking about it is the church is an incubator. And uh, it's an incubator for destiny. And if we can actually serve people in the early stages of their development in the local church, then we can release them and not even require them to be serving in the church because their primary service is dedicated to the profession they're in and transforming that world for Christ. So what are your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. I think people go through seasons, you know, they say that every company should, you know, reformulate its strategy every seven years. I think it yeah. might be less now, Yeah. maybe five years, but uh, uh, to some degree or other, I think we also as humans go through uh, seasons where maybe um, maybe there's a time of training, of discipline. I think the, uh, the, the, the things around freedom, character development, uh, sonship, um, you know, to attack or, yeah. you know, reduce orphan thinking, yeah. all of this would help in the marketplace. And so absolutely there's times and seasons in life where we need to be just fed, just, just absorb <laughs> the goodness of God. That's um, so good. And then yeah, there's, no. time, yeah, go, then go there's time that we can go out, uh, go out and, 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 uh, and, and, and do great things. Um, but I, you know, I'm not even sure it's a one shot, uh, time to rest, uh, maybe every uh, few years. Yeah, exactly. I, I will <laughs> say it, it was a, a struggle, a challenge to, to try to do both. Um, yeah, no, and I hear that. And and I think that's why there's, you know, if you thought about it more like a maturing process where you're doing maybe mostly church in the early stages, you're doing some mixture of half and half. And then as you progress in your professional world, you're released more and more to serve in that world as, in a sense, a missionary. I mean, one of the one of the things that we are, you know, kind of working on is the development of embassies. You know, and uh, I love what Ed Silvoso has done with Ecclesia. Um, others have had a similar idea. But my my dedication to the kingdom concept kind of, you know, it, it, it makes me think of embassy, that we are bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. And every kingdom that's coming into another kingdom, because this, this world lies in the lap of the wicked one, the scripture says, that we're bringing an outpost. We're bringing a... Um, what would it well, it'd be called an embassy. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're, we're actually establishing a little foothold. And one thing about an embassy is that it actually is not legally the territory of the nation it's placed in. It's, it's legally the territory of the nation that sent it. 
And so, you know, that the footprint actually belongs. So if we have a, an embassy in France, well, that, that embassy is on American soil, essentially. Obviously, it's, it's still within France. Uh, we want to create soil, you know, kingdom soil yeah. within different industries, within different businesses, within different educational structures, within different civil service structures. We want to see the kingdom of heaven advanced and so how do we do that? That's the key. And that's really what your role is as the co-leader of the marketplace um, catalyst group. So talk about your role there a little bit. It's, it's pretty new that you come into it and talk about some of the vision that we can begin to have for, for creating prototypes and, and actually, uh, you know, enlarging our footprint in different fields. Well, I love what, um, Leader, Leaders Alliance has already done to bring forward some of the folks who are working in this space. You mentioned Mike Franks, Steve Fish shared uh, some of the workplace, uh, marketplace work they're doing there in Fort Worth. Uh, we're going to be working with one of his folks, Randy um, and uh, Chris Stevens and others, uh, Jonathan Nolan. Uh, th this area of really establishing what this looks like. What does the picture look like of kingdom influence, kingdom impact into the diverse areas of the marketplace? And yes. I think you mentioned earlier about the seven mountains, wh whichever number of mountains there are, uh, there, there's a pretty big diversity between, uh, say, education and the language of education versus engineering. Yes. Uh, Randy was sharing today, in fact, about she reached out to her dad, who is an economist, and God gave a revelation of how to speak to him about Jesus in e economic terms. Wow. And cost versus benefit, or being a long-term investor, uh, so another evangelist used. And so I think this idea of being in the marketplace, but leveraging the culture, the language, uh, with the spirit of revelation, of how to bring Jesus and the kingdom into that place, I think is very, very powerful. And, so and it good. follows your, your embassy notion of, uh, of you know, uh, adapting to the culture of the local place. Right. No, for sure. Well, I want to explore this a little bit more, but before we do, I just want to take a little break and talk about the e-course that we are promoting. We're just launching it today. This is the first time we'll have a, a even a bigger launch uh, starting next next week. But we have developed an e-course for basic leadership training. And this e-course is just a phenomenal uh, tool uh, to help you become the leader that God's called you to be. It's called Kingdom Leadership Foundations. And what we deal with, we start at the very beginning. We talk about how to have your identity rooted in God, how to find your sense of sonship or daughterhood in the Lord, how to be led by the Spirit of God, because the Scripture says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. How can you lead others if you cannot be led? And so we help you to connect with the, Jesus as Lord. We help you connect with the Holy Spirit leading you. And then we help you to understand the basic issues of managing your own inner world, your mind, your heart, uh, what we call head, heart, and hands. How do you manage your world? How do you lead in your home and in your family and your private life? Because those are foundational to excellent leadership outside of yourself. Then we talk a little bit about how to help somebody 
in in a one-on-one -on -one leadership position, how to understand how to help somebody discover their God-given gifts and talents and abilities, and how to create a pathway with them of growth. And so there's a lot of amazing tools. We're coming out in, a, in several months with another layer of this, an advanced course that will function on, on uh, organizational leadership. But for now, this will just absolutely blow your mind in terms of establishing the foundations of true leadership within you. So check it out. Follow the, the information on the, uh, the YouTube uh, site here, and uh, I think you'll be blessed. So check it out. But let's go back to this question. Okay. So we're building, um, in a sense, we're building a, a fusion between the church world and the marketplace world. Now, marketplace is very big. It's basically everything outside the church. Okay. So, um, but it includes business it includes education it includes thought leadership. It includes Hollywood and media and all that stuff. Okay. How do we build that fusion? And so the, the strategy we've been beginning with is to basically have a strong group of church leaders and then a number of other, what we call catalyst groups. So we have one focused on church planting, emerging generation, evangelism, prophetic intercession, um, family, family ref reformation. Our goal is to take those different ones and begin to cross-pollinate with church leaders and starting to resource leaders within the local churches to take some responsibility for pioneering ministry outside the church. Okay, Give us your... Uh, picture of how that works within the, the marketplace group as it exists right now. So, yeah, our current thinking is that, um, A, we want to build community among the members. Um, but to do that, we feel like we need to actively work together towards a, a common goal, a right. common good, if you will. Right. So the, the idea that we're pursuing is that if we can sort of profile and tell the story of some of the members and others, then we can begin to glean principles and, and ideas that will help others. So we have sort of two audiences. One is the, the group of marketplace members who are either in for-profit or not-for-profit within the marketplace. And then, but then we also want to address uh, pastors who may be at they may, you know, they may need encouragement in why the marketplace is important, or they may want to participate and don't really know how, or they may be more mm -hmm. seasoned and, and we want to leverage them as, as pilots. We want to um, pick on, uh, for, for example, Steve Fish in Fort Worth has sponsored some uh, marketplace ministry, and we, we'd love to profile that. And what are the lessons learned? What are the principles that we can glean? What are the kingdom principles that show up that are common among some of these uh, these efforts? So we're hoping to produce some little vignettes or, uh, you know, to use a business school term, case studies. Uh, that sounds a little boring, so maybe we'll do it in a storytelling fashion, show the drama. Yeah and the uh, struggle to make it happen. That's so good. In fact, that's one of our strategies that we're stepping into more and more, but you guys have pioneered this a bit more on your end, which is, you know, we're uh, the, one of the other phrases is sometimes used is proof of concept. In other words, we have this idea that if we strengthen our marketplace leaders, that the whole church will be benefited by this. 
And so let's prove that concept by actually focusing in on one or two of our uh, of our members and really strengthening their position. So one of the groups you're working with is uh, is an actual uh, not-for-profit group that draws on government funding and, and uh, other private foundation funding. Talk a little bit about the group and how it's how it's working. So that one is uh, Flint Soup. So Adrian and James lead. Okay, Flint slow, low, slow down because people might okay. not know what Flint Soup is. Flint <laughs> yeah. is a city and soup is soup. Okay, yeah. but talk about even their name and how they got the name. Yeah, so so Flint, Michigan is a um, interesting place. It uh, was built up as the headquarters of General Motors. General Motors backed off on the amount that they're doing in that town. So they have... A lot of city with not so many people. Yeah. And so the economic promise there is not so great. Yes. So Adrian had this idea of moving from meeting a need, i.e. giving people food, to, uh, to m helping them, empowering them for betterment. So wow. moving from need meeting to betterment, they, they conceived of this idea of gathering together say four times a year or so to uh, to have soup, literally have soup. And uh, they charge a nominal fee at the door, uh, entry fee, and then they make micro grants to um, these prospective business owners from the community. Uh -huh. And one of, one of their core values is to really know and let the community tell them what's needed rather than pouring money like some cities do into uh, economically disadvantaged community. They're allowing the community themselves. Wow. And a surprising thing has happened in that while some might see them as a micro grant organization, what's happened is they've built community among yeah. the entrepreneurs and they support one another. They encourage one another. So, it almost defies uh, definition when I say, what are you? They will say, well, it depends on whom you ask. <laughs> and, and so it's been a very interesting journey to learn about their story. They've now helped 150 entrepreneurs over the years. And almost all of their entrepreneurs are in some service business that gives back to the community in some way. That's whether amazing. it's training or whatever. And it's an amazing amplification of their efforts. That's Just so two good. people, right? Wow. Yeah. Well, well, one thing about that is we do have a special podcast on this YouTube channel with Flint Soup. So you can actually go and hear the story from uh, uh, Adrian Montague's uh, perspective and her 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 partner in in ministry there, which is uh, and, and I guess is nonprofit, but her partner is James Shuttleworth, and they've been working yeah. together now for several years. Amazing story. Now, how are they fitting in? How are you profiling that as a as a uh, in a sense a prototype of how we're serving business people in the business community? Well, we're gonna we're gonna do a couple things uh, through the summer. We're gonna write up. Um, and I ask Adrian, just what are you? Have they really done that? They have okay uh, support from some big ben, uh, big supporters, uh, not NGOs and so, so forth. But um, 
they haven't really attempted to get a perspective of a kingdom perspective of what they are. So you can talk about oh, wow. versus the impact, et cetera. So we're going to try to do that. And then the second thing we're going to try to do in the fall is to actually do a short video, you know, maybe a five minute video that that helps to tell their story. You know, what what hurdles did they overcome? You know, what is the impact? Interview a couple of their uh, recipients, um, their entrepreneurs, et cetera. So that's what we're hoping to yeah. do over the next few months. Oh, those both sound great. And we're going to be sending out actually a, a help sheet for clarifying vision and values at this time. So um, we'll get that out to you guys. And might, some of it might be helpful for you guys to work with your with your different members on that. No, so that gives us a little picture of how you're planning on serving marketplace people. But let's go to the other side of this, which is your desire to interface with local churches to help those local churches start to have a greater awareness of the need to empower and equip their marketplace people outside the church. How does that work? I know that's still just in formation, but, but let's talk a little bit about that. Well, that's a great question. Uh, the, the idea that uh, the church has been, you know, sort of withdrawn is pretty pervasive. So we don't yeah. expect, you know, broad, uh, rapid transition <clears throat> but the church needs to regain, uh, <clears throat> particularly in, in certain areas like education, where, mm -hmm. um, you know, other forces have been very vocal in the education environment. We hope to, to really be able to develop from those principles and others a, a profile of, you know, what would be the motivations you know, apart from the fact that maybe 98% of the church is working in the marketplace uh, in some form, well, what would be the motivation and the possibility? You know, I think pastors largely are challenged by, you know, there's a lot of asks on them. There's a lot yes. for them to do. Hopefully we can transition our thinking about the mission a little bit. Um, even in the pastor's boot camp, one pastor said, well, I don't know if I have time to help equip these people. I have so many things to do. Mm -hmm. And I felt Jesus would ask him a question. Well, what's the mission? Yeah. You know, the mission making disciples. So I think yeah. the question we have to address is in this context, what does disciple making look like if some of those disciples are going to be educators or, you know, policemen or whatever? That's Maybe so discipling is, is more enhanced. And, and what we're providing is that, that an actual church, a, a pastor who's too busy just doing what he has to do or she has to do, they can outsource their marketplace leader development to us. I mean, that's what I'm hoping is that yeah. they could outsource it to us so that we can actually work in tandem with them, serving with them, supporting their leadership in the, in the eyes of the people we're helping to train but also we can provide that training because, you know, without it, the church will still be, you know, it'll be stuck in the four walls, basically doing fantasy church, you know? And so that's, that's something that we can actually do as part of our mission. Yeah. You know, to come alongside the church in that way. So yeah. What are your yeah, thoughts? One of the things that we're hoping to do is to create a kit for, you know, if we take the Flint soup example, you know, it's very transportable to other cities. Yes. Um, 
it needs someone with with a passion. So, you know, how do we identify the passionate person or bring them, develop them? And what are the mechanics? Uh, how do you integrate with other uh, nonprofits or city organizations within the city? There's a whole ecosystem that they've integrated with over time. Yeah. And so we think we think a kit format could be very uh, compelling to to make it a, a a faster ramp. Yes. And maybe maybe that alone would be uh, the genesis of an idea of something different that could be done in another city. That's so great. I mean, that's really what we hope to do across the board is we hope to build collaborative relationships that will actually produce prototypical examples that can be replicated all over the nation, all over the world. And so I, I believe that that's really what our future is as Leaders Alliance, is to really build that kind of synergy, that kind of symbiotic dynamic where we can really help connect people to one another for the advancement of God's kingdom in every sphere of society. And so that's really exciting. Hey, you know, we have about you know five to ten more minutes left. I just want to pick your brain just in general about leadership. If you were to say, what are the three priorities of leadership for you? Like what, you know, what is, what does leadership mean? How do you define it? Uh, you can go in that, that direction, or you can go at it from this, from just a purely practical thing. Leadership is doing this, doing this, doing this, but give us your sort of summarized perspective. What is a leader? Well, you know, that is a great question. Um, and I'm going to back off of some of the normal business school thoughts or whatever. Um, I, I think a leader is somebody who's doing something that others aren't. Wow. And so, you know, that might be a, a novel way that I'm bringing goodness into my business. Um, and so obviously leaders generally have followers. So there's a teaming aspect. And I've been thinking a lot about what are the common elements in leadership? Uh, leadership in business, military is different from leadership in churches. But the, the common thread has to be development of human capability. Mm. So as a leader, how am I developing those who are you know, contributing to the mission that I'm trying to accomplish but to some degree, if you will, discipling training is the mission. So in business, uh, we're very motivated to uh, bring about the capability. You know, business leaders will say, you know, people are our greatest asset um, and the like. And so there is this common thread, I think, if we, if we decompose the elements of leadership, there's this common thread between church and kingdom and the marketplace, which is I have to learn and develop skills and techniques around bringing out, identifying gifts and, and developing those who are on my team. And I, I would say that's probably the, the job one for us all. That's so good. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of, I, I love what John Maxwell says that leadership is influence but I generally take it a little bit more in your direction where I say leadership is people movement. We're moving people, but we're not moving them geographically. We move them developmentally. We yeah. move them into greater and greater access or apprehension of their potential in Christ. Yeah. 
And as we lead them forward, their fruitfulness just begins to multiply. And that's really for the betterment of all of us is that they become both in terms of their intellect, in terms of their heart, in terms of their lifestyle, in terms of their skill set. We're growing into greater and greater, uh, in a sense, imitation of Christ. And so uh, any final words that you have yeah. for us as we wrap up here? Maybe the final word is, uh, you know, my passion around uh, people and church. Yeah. Uh, in a elders meeting, probably around 2003, maybe about, maybe about 20 years ago. And, and we were sitting there going over a budget and, you know, is this going to be a prophetic budget, a stretch budget, or is this, you know, going to be more conservative? And my mind wandered to, well, how come people aren't changing? How come, how come they're not changing because of me? And boy, maybe I should be changing. So it was really for me a, a, a transitional, transformative moment to begin to think about, you know, within church, you know, our mission really is, as you mentioned, transformation. How do we bring about growth? What does a growing, healthy environment look like? And so that's kind of been my study over the last 20 years to really begin to look at, you know, what what is the model for church and how might that manifest in the in this century? Uh, wow, that's so good. Well, again, I think you know this is an amazing moment for the church because everything's in transition right now. I don't think it's only because of COVID, but COVID I think set the stage for yes. a lockdown. All of us were sort of working remotely. We were stuck in our houses, many of us. And 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 now that things are easing and we're moving out into a new normal. I think that there is a lot of movement, a lot of thought process, a lot of shifting, a lot of transitional thinking and action. And, uh, and I just think it's, it's actually a very good positive thing. I mean, maybe your world's shaken up a little bit if you're viewing us today and, you know, people have left your church. That's okay. Or people have moved on from your company or your business or your school just you know there's obviously a downside you lose friends or you 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 don't know where people are but the fact is is that actually this kind of shifting is good in fact the scripture says that that god says i will shake things from time to time and and there's an ultimate shaking he says so that that which cannot be shaken will remain Amen. and again we we don't you know often think of shaking as a good thing but god can produce a little bit of an earthquake that can actually resettle things in a better state than they were beforehand. So I want to encourage you, if you're listening with us today, that there's incredible hope on the horizon. There's incredible possibilities that we can enter into, that God is on the move and that he's actually, you know, he's not wringing his hands, you know, pensive and full of anxiety, that God has a vision for the future and you're part of it. So we want to welcome you to join us in Leaders Alliance and to really become a part of one of our Catalyst groups. And if you're involved in marketplace ministry of any kind, consider linking up with Linton and with JT and with some of the others that are in that group. And let's build this thing together. We're just starting out. We're pretty fresh and new. But, you know, three years from now, I believe that this movement is going to be one of the most significant transforming forces in the world. So I encourage you to join us. So, Linton, as we close, could you just pray for the people Absolutely. that are listening and the people that will listen in the archives because we're going to build our audience over this next season and just impart some of that perspective that you've gained over so many years of both professional life and spiritual life. Amen. 
Well, Father, we just thank you. We declare your favor over your church and that your church will reign and water uh, the surrounding areas. We thank yeah. you that that your is the incubator for goodness. Your church is the incubator for um, bringing heaven to earth. We thank you, Father, that uh, that people of all manner of giftings will be developed and cultivated, if you will, within the church. We thank you for business leaders and marketplace leaders. Yes, uh, God. Bless your name, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity in the midst of all the chaos in this world. We thank you that you bring hope, you bring reassurance, and you bring growth even in the midst of struggle. Amen. Amen. And let me just pray one final prayer. I just, you know, as you were praying, I just thought again about the families that were so impacted this week by the shooting in the school. And let's just agree together. Father, we ask for the comfort of heaven to fall upon every family that lost a loved one during this uh, horrible incident this week. Father, we thank you so much that you love every one of them. You know every one of them by name. And we ask that your heavenly comfort, even according to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, that says that you comfort us with the comfort so that we can comfort others who are in trouble. Lord, let that comfort flow now through this town, through the families that have been impacted horribly, and also that you would help our nation to not continue to polarize over these kind of challenges, but to come together in unity. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much, Linton, for being on this call, and you, you have really opened our eyes some, to, to some amazing stuff, and so look forward to working with you over the next years to come. So God bless you. God bless you and thank you. God bless the rest of you. <laughs> yeah. So take care, everyone. We'll see you in the next podcast. Bye.